It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. The playoffs are flying through the divisions and the conferences, and we've got some exciting series all across the NHL. Drew Remenda, I keep on noting how many ex-Sharks are still involved in the playoffs. I think that that's one of the nice stories from a San Jose Sharks fan's point of view to keep paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. Timo Meyer, Brent Burns going against each other, which is fun to watch. And um, Timo finally put a puck in the net, and that was great for him. The That series, though, Carolina and Brett Burns looks like they're going to the Eastern Finals. And Joe Pavelski is in a dogfight with the Seattle Kraken. So good to see Pavs after he took that big hit in game one against Minnesota. He's back. He's scoring again. Did you see where he is That with that graphic the other day, that stat the other day? Joe Pavelski in playoff goals. He is seventh all time. He is one, one behind Mario Lemieux. There's Brett Hull. There's Wayne Gretzky. I think he's two. He's two behind the rocket. He's two behind the rocket. It's ridiculous. This is it's. <laughs> well, he was, what a what a great story that kid is, and he's he's missed here. But you know, we're 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 because we're happy for him because he's such a great guy, such a great leader, such a great player still, and so that's. That's good to see with Pavs. So yeah, there's some, there's still some, some sharks left, and those, those are the big three, the big notable ones. Aiden well, how about Aiden Hill getting? Yeah, he's getting in for for the Vegas Golden Knights, and the only series that doesn't have an ex shark that's playing it is Toronto and Florida. Although there's a kind of a half connection there because Matt Benning's brother Michael has signed a contract yeah. with the Florida Panthers, and he's not playing. He's there probably practicing and probably just soaking everything in. But uh, what a series that is, too. Oof. Yeah. So, like that one, Danny. You know what it's like up here in Canada, right? During yes, I do. Yeah, of course we do. We've we've been involved in it. We've been involved in it with the Maple Leafs for crying out loud in '93, '94. And the big four for the Toronto Maple Leafs: Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander. In this series, as compared to the other series, have, haven't got Bupkis. Bupkis. They they sorry. Now in this series, after four games, they've got two goals: one from Tavares, one from Tavares, one from Nylander. Uh, Marner's, Marner's got one too. Martin, yeah. So anyway, they're not producing, like not producing. Well, you know what it all. is. They're, it basically what has to happen, and we've seen this in the playoffs in San Jose Sharks history, is the top players are always expected to be the best players, but in the playoffs, they have to elevate their game further. And we've seen that from Logan Couture. You remember the run to the Stanley Cup final? He had 30 Please. points in the playoffs, raised his level of play for sure, especially in the big moments. And of course, we remember Vegas Golden Knights and that's one and all of that that happened in that particular game. But what I think I'm seeing from Toronto is that through the series before this last game, the Maple Leafs top stars weren't playing terribly. They weren't, but they weren't raising their level like they have to. And that seems to be something that they're trying to work on. The the talk yesterday, and you're 100% right, 
the talk yesterday and the days before were they got to blow it up. You got to break it up. It's over. They're down three nothing in the series. You got to break it up. It's all four need to go, which is crazy because where are you going to find a like Matthews has scored 100 goals the last two years combined? Where are you going to find a guy like that? Now, Marner, I think during the season is the engine for that team, but during the playoffs, he stays on the outside. He has not been able to get inside. He's not been able in this series anyway, not been able to do what he's supposed to do. In the first series, they were great. Tavares is Tavares and $11 million AAV and his age, you're not going to be able to move him. Nylander is probably the guy they're going to pick on, but you don't need to move those guys, but you maybe need to have to move one of them if they lose this series and they still have, you know, three games to try to win. Um, but yesterday they came out with a big win, 2-1. It was, honestly, the two games last night were, eh, they weren't very good, but the very important for both teams in Canada to win. Well, you're going to start to get that. You're going to start to get games where teams don't necessarily even deserve to win. But as Drew Amedda has said so often, deserves got nothing to do with it. Something he stole from Clint Eastwood. I think that's who first said it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's in uh, the great uh, Oscar-winning movie, Unforgiven, with uh, Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, uh, Clint Eastwood. Great movie. One of my favorite. I love Dusters, man. Dusters were my favorite growing up. Yeah, me too. I really enjoy those as well. Uh, John Tavares, after the game, had some things to say about the pace of the game and what went better for his club in game four. A little better execution. Um, details I thought were just a little sharper and it puts us on the right side of it. So, um, you know, the games have been uh, down here. have been really tight checking and uh, really uh, tough there in offense. So just did a good job of staying with it, earning our opportunities and obviously battling to the end. And as you mentioned, Drew, they got some goals from big guys, including Willie Nylander very early on. Mark Giordano back to Marner. Marner works in on the right side, bunting into the corner, bunting, playing it around the boards. It comes in front. They No, they score! Willie <laughs> Nylander in front of the goal, tips it home on a strange bounce out of the corner and the Maple Leafs draw first blood on a huge bouncing break. Well, that bouncing break went off the official on the play, came out in front and Nylander scored a goal. And of course, the officials were kind of part of this game, weren't they, Drew? Yes, yes, very much so. The officials have been part of the uh, NHL playoffs big time, Danny. And that's not the first time we've seen it bounce off of an official in this in the playoffs and go to a, a great scoring chance and eventually a goal. And you know the the refs the refs hate when that happens, especially like the linesmen. They don't want that to happen at all. But that's they're live out there, and if it goes off them, stays in play, the puck's in play. Mitchell Marner, as you mentioned, is a big engine for the club in the regular season. In the playoffs, he's been kind of in the background, but he surely was in the foreground in this game. Goaltender Bobrovsky without his stick. Marner centering it in front. It comes back to the blue line. Grabbing it now, the stick handed to the goalkeeper. Shot from the point. Scores! Holy Mackinac, the Leafs have gained a two-goal lead. Mitch Marner (laughs) deflecting it on a point shot. And the Leafs take a 2-0 lead on a scrambly play in the Florida zone. And that play, Drew, called by Joe Bowen, as always for the Maple Leafs radio broadcast, uh, definitely was exactly what you were talking about. He didn't get into the dirty area on that play, but he made a very skilled play from a relatively long distance. Yeah, he's a he's a very skilled hockey player. Um, and let's remember, he uh, 
he was taken um, in by Patty Marlowe and as well as Austin Matthews was when their rookie years with Patty and Christina. They they took care of those boys. Uh, they still call them their boys. Mitch Marner, from what I'm told by the Marlowe's, is one of the nicest young men in the world. I believe it. Um, he takes a lot of heat here in Canada, but when they needed him last night, he performed. It was, again, as, as Tavares said, it's a tight checking game against the Florida Panthers. That's how the Panthers have to win. And the Leafs came up with a big victory last night too, Danny. Man, they sold out defensively. I got to give them credit for the shot blocking that they got in a lot of shooting lanes and pressured, pressured, pressured on them in, in their zone. Well, I, I have another play that I think that you're going to be very proud of since you mentioned that. And that happened when the score was two to one in favor of the Maple Leafs. They were hanging on and Luke Shen from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan came up pretty big. Here's a chance now for Verhage. Couldn't get into the Leafs zone. Slashed around the boards far side. Kerfoot just needs to get it out. Didn't. Played back into the corner. Here's a chance now coming in front of the goal. Big defensive stand in front of the net. Was that Luke Shen? Yes, it was. That was a brilliant play by Luke Shen yeah. because he had to kind of pivot and stay on his feet. How many times have we seen defensemen flop to the ice? Not going to mention any names, but this time <laughs> he stayed on his feet and stayed square. It was almost like he was playing goaltender on that play. Yeah, it, it really was. And um, I'm very biased, but I think Luke's been the best player for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this series. I, I really do. Luke is, um, you love Luke. Because he was a high draft choice, supposed to be the next big defenseman in Toronto when he first stint with Toronto, didn't work out. He has been all around the league. He has played a lot of games in the minors. He has just persevered. His brother Braden is a Stanley Cup champion. Luke's a Stanley Cup champion. They play because they love it. I've known them since they were very, very young. But Luke is a, Luke's a tough veteran, smart guy, and he has been terrific terrific for um the Toronto Maple Leafs this game which was a two to one Maple Leafs win featured a lot of great goaltending Sergei Bobrovsky again some mm -hmm. outstanding saves for Florida and on the other side of the ice unfortunately uh, this guy is starting to rise in prominence around the league because of the way he's been yeah. playing in the playoffs here I was kind of hoping that Joseph Wall would kind of fly under the radar and maybe Maple Leafs say ah, he's young he's good we might want to let him go to somebody else but he made some saves like this one. Backhanded by Bennett. Back of the net. It spun to the blue line to Barkov. Barkov back to the blue line. Montour. Back to Barkov. Closing. Pad save and a brilliant one by Joseph Wall. In fact, you could hear Joe Bowen almost hesitate for a second. Was like, who's in net? Samson off Wall? Yeah. It's, it's one of those Murray. things where yeah. when, when the backup goaltender is, is in, you have to kind of remind yourself as a play-by-play -play announcer sometimes. So that's where you get that little hesitation. But what a great save that was. And of course, all through the, uh, through the lineup for the Maple Leafs, they were talking about Joseph Wall after the game. Here's Mitchell Miner discussing uh, Wall's performance post-game. That was great. I mean, I think like we, we've been stating here the last day or so, um, we got a lot of faith in any of our goalies in the net, regardless of who it is. And um, Willie's been amazing for us when he's had the, the call, and um, he was again tonight. Captain John Tavares wanted to get his two cents in on Wall's performance too. Uh, just so composed, and uh, he's just dialed in. You know, you can just see the focus. Uh, um, you know, he's just not phased, uh, and uh, you know, he he doesn't take things too seriously. But uh, uh, but he's dialed in. You know, his uh, his preparation, his focus is uh, is elite, and I'm not surprised uh, as we've seen uh, over the last couple of years here. Um, 
you know, his skill set and uh, what his potential is like and, and uh, you know, came in and did a hell of a job for us. You may remember Joseph Wall got his very first NHL win against San Jose, and that's when I first mm-hmm. got a chance to look at him. He's from the St. Louis area, and uh, as I said, I was kind of hoping he'd stay under the radar in case uh, the Sharks were going to try to make a play for an up-and-coming goaltender, but that's not going to happen now. Well, it may still be able to make a play for him, but it's going to be uh, – there's some other teams really, really interested in him, including the Toronto Maple Leafs. He um, – he does remind me of Archer Reserve just because of like Wall, and that kind of made me chuckle the other day. But he is, as John Tavares said, very composed young man in net. He looked really relaxed yesterday. And really, what's he got to lose? He's got nothing to lose. No, he's got everything everything to prove. He's got an opportunity. Exactly. Take advantage of it. Go have fun with it. And I think it's that demeanor that that you love in goaltenders. I know we've seen it. When Martin Jones was on his best game, you could sense that he was just calm, cool, collected. Nothing seemed to bother him. And he came up with the big saves. And Sheldon Keefe was talking about that on on Wall after the game. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Like, like I said, our team in front of him, uh, gave him every opportunity uh, for success with how they competed in front of him. I mean, the number of blocked shots that we had here, uh, keeping the puck away. But you're, you're 100% right that anything that did get through, um, he looked really confident and, and in control. So, as yeah, was great. I was asked the question, you know, if I considered Matt Murray for this start. And, you know, I gave a very short answer of, of no, but you know, I wish I had elaborated at the time just to, to say that it's not that w- it wasn't a reflection or isn't a reflection of how we feel about Matt Murray. It's more about how we feel about Joe Wall and his development um, from you know over the last year uh, is is frankly just well above what we had anticipated in terms of the timeline, especially for a guy that missed training camp lots of his off season uh, didn't get to train didn't get to you know to play his position uh, was behind the eight ball with us was behind the eight ball with the Marlies you know for him to play the way that he has and to play the way that he did that last regular season game against Tampa to play the way that he has when he's coming to the net here through the playoffs that's why we had no question that he would be able to go today and, and he did a tremendous job and of course loved how the guys took care of him too. That's really something to to say that you've got a guy who's won two Stanley Cups as a goaltender and it's his opportunity perhaps to go in and yet you go with the young guy. And I had forgotten about the fact that Wall had missed a lot of the training camp because of injury problems. Yeah, and I think one of the other reasons they didn't go with Matt Murray because Matt hasn't played in a month. Right. Um, he was coming off an injury as well. So it's one of the reasons why. And um, like, again, that was a kind of like, what do you have to lose? You, you were down three nothing in a series. and. So you stick in the kid who came in in relief of Samsonov because he was the guy who was dressed that night as the backup and um, played played really well. So he gave you confidence to go the next time. We continue now with the Stanley Cup playoff report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. From Toronto and Florida, we move on to Edmonton and Vegas. And what a series that is now tied at two wins apiece. And a lot of activity in game number four that we can tell you that you would love to hear about. First things first, uh, Edmonton had a couple of really great shifts in a row. Nick Bukestad acquired in a trade that proved his worth on this one. Here's a check by Bukestad, a quick shot to save. Rebound, Bukestad scores! one nothing Edmonton! Nick Bukestad created the initiative. 
crucial opportunity and buried the second. And then it was Evan Bouchard, who I have always liked, uh, coming up with a nice shot. Left circle, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid. Circles, dishes, one-timer score. Evan Bouchard blasting it home. Edmonton two, Vegas nothing. That was Jack Michaels on the call of those goals for Edmonton Oilers Radio. And, of course, the pace of the game, very good. But the most impressive thing, I think, Drew, was the fact that the Oilers would back up a very good shift with yet another outstanding shift right after that. And it was uh, Connor McDavid, no less, that was talking about that post game. Those are big shifts. Those are big shifts. We talk about that all the time as, you know, shifts after a goal. And, um, you know, I thought we did a great job of, you know, grabbing the momentum after we scored one and, you know, continue to uh, continue to play our game the way we want to and, uh, you know, play with pace. And, um, you know, I thought we did a good job of that. Edmonton coach Jay Woodcroft really liked the pace of the game. Yeah, I thought we I thought we executed our game plan well. You know, we have we have a lot of really good hockey players that like to play fast. I thought the pace of our our game was where it needed to be. Um, you know, I thought we got on their D. I thought we got on their goaltender. Um, you know, we're aware that you know that was the first start for their goaltender in almost over two months. Um, that's a tall task. It's different than when you get put in halfway through a game and you're just running on adrenaline. But, um, you know, when you have to think about it for a few days, um, you know, we're aware of that. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we made things difficult. And certainly we went out and uh, executed at a high level and, and made them pay for some mistakes. Woodcroft was talking, Drew, about Aiden Hill, the former Shark who got in. And how many injuries have the Vegas Golden Knights have in net? But it, it seemed to not really affect the way that they're competitive. They've gone through six goalies this year, Danny. Six. Unbe- unbelievable. It's ridiculous. They went through six goalies. They had Stone out for uh, months. He missed three months. He had two pack surgeries in nine months. And... That's another incident. We'll talk about that too, is how much the Oilers are targeting Stone on his back. They had tons of injuries to everybody. Lost Pacioretty to Carolina because of capped stuff and getting Eichel in. And they've still been able to be as good as they are. But Jay Woodcroft was right. For the first 40 minutes of that game, it was all Edmonton Oilers. They checked and they curated their own chances. They put pressure on, on Vegas and Vegas couldn't get up the ice really and have any offensive threat at the uh, at the Oilers end. One thing you have to credit Vegas, even though the score was a little out of hand, they didn't stop working. And Bruce Cassidy nope. talked about that. And he said that that's an important factor in his team every single time that they're on the ice. Well, we stuck together. Um, we played together. We supported one another uh, to try to get back in the game in the third period. That was our goal. I mean, it's four nothing or you still have a chance if you can sort of break through. So we tried to play the right way, but also make sure that understand that there's games left in this series. You still have to finish checks if, if they present themselves and play the right way. And I thought we, we tried to do that at the end. I'm not going to comment on every penalty at the end because there's a lot going on. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we did a good job in that regard. You know, Hager got put him, you know, he got put in a tough spot. He travels all the way in from the blue line before you know it is, you know, he's in self-defense mode and did a pretty good job there. And I think our guys were trying to help him out. But um, at the end of the day, um, I didn't mind the way we stuck together. We just didn't start the game the way we needed to, to beat a good hockey club. 
He's right on the money in terms of that. But of course, there's a little bit of controversy at the end of the contest, especially when Alex Petrangelo, uh, his stick just kind of out of his control. So unintentionally, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of discussion about that. And of course, Connor McDavid was at the very top of that discussing what occurred at the end of the game. Well, you'd like to see it reviewed for sure. I would like to see it suspended. I mean, it's as intent to injure as you can get, you know, time score clock all play a factor. He comes from over his own head and, you know, places it just kind of under Leon's chin. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see something like that suspended. It's not a hockey play. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's not in our hands. Jay Woodcroft was a little non-committal when talking about the referee's call. A wise uh, mentor of mine once told me there's four jobs in hockey. Player, coach, manager, and referee. I coach. Um, if you're asking my my opinion on that play, I would not define it as a hockey play. And I'd leave it at that. I'm sure people will, will take a look. Now, Drew, who is that mentor that you think he was talking about there? Uh, I think it's uh, his former, uh, his, his good friend and former boss, uh, Todd McClellan, as a matter of fact. But when what they're talking about is you didn't see it, Petrangelo, after it was late in the game, but on a play towards the, the net, Leon Dreisaitl, who has been running Petrangelo, I got to give Leon credit, he has been hitting Petrangelo every chance he gets and hard. Um, Petrangelo comes way over the top and gives him a huge chop, boom, like you're trying to just cut a, cut a log in half, you know, on the, on the stump and right over the arm, didn't place it under his chin, hit him on the arm. Uh, down he goes. Connor was in, went after Petrangelo. Uh, Linesman was there. Nothing really happened after that. Um, the other aspect that Bruce Cassie was talking about being Hague, being in self-defense mode, Darnell Nurse came in late in the game, very late in the game, as there's, there's a scrum in the corner or behind the net. Darnell comes in, and by the time he hits the goal line, he's dropping his stick and his gloves are coming off, and they have a fight. And this has been going on for about three games. Now they're going to duke it up. Now, that was in the last five minutes of the hockey game. Both incidents were. Darnell's situation is he got an instigator. Suspension, right? What's that? That's a suspension, right? In the last suspension. five minutes? It's a, it's a one, yeah. It's a one-game suspension and $10,000 fine to Jay Woodcroft. That's automatic. It's in the books. That's it. Uh, Petrangelo's is no injury occurred, but certainly – uh, Connor talked about intent as well. You, it, you know, it's hard to talk about intent, but when you look at this slash, certainly the intent was there that I'm tired of you hitting me all the time and you're going to feel this one. And also it's late. It's four one. So I think next game you'll see one of two things. One, both teams have a guy suspended. So, and their top defenseman, Darnell nurse, because of the instigator last five minutes and Petrangelo for the hack or neither guy will be suspended. They'll rescind the instigator, which they can do. They can go back and look at it. Ken Holland's probably been on the phone already to Toronto and they'll, or New York, they'll rescind the instigator and Petrangelo will get a fine and that'll be it. So I think either both guys get suspended or neither guy gets suspended, but I don't think one's going to get suspended and the other isn't. As we're doing this show, we don't know what's going to happen just yet, but I'm going to I'm going to decide on that second uh, result. I'm going to say nobody gets suspended and they're told 
by the NHL that if you do anything even close to this again, you're going to get suspended and probably more for one game. Total agreement. Total agreement. Meanwhile, after the game, it's always great to hear what the coaches say about some of this stuff. We heard from Jay Woodcroft. Now let's hear from Bruce Cassidy, coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, about what happened. I mean, the other night in here, was there was some of that stuff at the end of the game. I mean, there was a cross-checking penalty. Maybe not at the end. There was a slash on Petro. Was there not at the end of the game the other night when they were behind? So, I mean, I'm watching games last night. There's stuff going on when at the end of the games. It's a bit of what happens in the playoffs. You know, and I, I don't know what else to say on that. It's... We talked about the start of the series. The temperature goes up as the series goes along, and it went up. And um, probably go up some more in Game 5. It's just the teams that can keep their cool the best and play and play hard between the whistles and avoid some of that. Uh, and I don't mean at the end. I mean, we, we took a couple of retaliatory penalties during the game that we don't typically take. And as I said, it you know you get a few cross-checks if they miss that. That upsets you. You got to take a number sometimes, and that's where we did take a penalty early on a retaliatory play. That those are the ones that you know they ended up scoring on, right? Um, we killed the first one. Um, after that, they you know they they bury it. So that's where the discipline has to come in, and I think that's where we needed to be better early on, knowing that you know this was probably coming. Now. Bruce Cassidy's right, but you got to uh, admire the guy for his mastery of deflecting and changing yes. the whole tone of the entire question. He even let in there that, well, yeah, uh, Petro got sticked the, uh, the other game too, as if to say that's happening to his guys. I, I, yeah. I thought that was actually kind of masterful. I agree, I agree 100%. Uh, Evander Kane cross-checked um, Petrangelo in the face at the other game. Um, he has been getting hit a lot, a lot of times from behind. Kane cross-checked him and hit him in the back early before he the incident with Dreisaitl, um against the boards. No call. It was like those are the ones that, if you want to talk intent, when you cross-check a guy in the back, you're going to see that. But it was, you're right about Bruce Cassie. You're right about the coaches too. Like they they all do a masterful job at this at this time of getting their message out and deflecting it, like you said to the direction they want it to go. Always putting the question in people's minds, well, maybe they do have a point about this, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> exactly. everything just sort of settles right down. We continue now with the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Got a couple of minutes left in the show today, and I thought that we would move on and talk about the other Western Conference series. That is Dallas against Seattle. That is an outstanding series now. Dallas winning a 6-3 game in game number four, so that's all tied up at 2-2. And it shouldn't surprise anybody that a certain individual did something big. Borgen, fan here, Sagan in front, Chance Robertson, and he's turned aside point blank by Grubauer. Boy, has he had his chances. The Stars spread it back out. Remain on the power play for another 53 seconds. Already up 3-0. Sagan, Robertson in front to Donov. And now Pavelski. There's no Ben. There's no hints on this power play. So it's Sagan out there with the Donov. Up top, here's Haskin and shot save. Rebound, Pavelski scored! It came to him in the slot. Second power play goal of the night for Dallas. It's another this series for Joe Pavelski, and they have opened up a 4-0 lead here in Game 4. 
Yo, Pavelski does it again. And you were saying this at the top of the show, Drew. He's right near the top of, of all-time game-winning goal scorers in history of the NHL. One thing I would like to note for uh, Sharks fans listening in, obviously, is that he's tied with Patrick Marlowe. 16 game-winning goals in the playoffs, and uh, that that's just an amazing number for two of the greatest Sharks ever to lace on skates. Yeah, absolutely. And his power play goals, like we said, just one behind Mario Lemieux in the, in the playoffs, uh, along with guys like Nick Lidstrom, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Dino Cicerelli, Mike Bossy. Amazing list that he's on. Inc- incredible player. And he is he is a driver on that team for sure. We know that he is. And it's just because he's, he's, he's the big Pavelski. One great other player in that game was Miro Haskin and coming back Ooh. with that nasty gash on his face, played over 30 minutes with face protection, very courageous effort. And uh, head coach Pete DeBoer was talking about that after the game. He was saying that uh, that was one of the more courageous performances he's seen. Well, he's, he's an amazing athlete and, uh, you know, ultra competitive, wants to win and, and hard minutes, you know, hard minutes. So, yeah, I mean, what, what do you say? I mean, he's uh, he's done it all year for us. He's one of the best in the world at that position, and um, he's a, he's a warrior. I mean, he, you know, that's, that's a nasty gash. You know, hasn't been able to eat much. Probably hasn't slept well, and uh, you know, show up and play a game like that. That's pretty impressive. Head coach Dave Haxtall talked about the fact that his team just can't give up at this point. Well, it's a tough spot to be in going into the third period, um, you know, especially giving up. You know, we get a little life uh, with the fourth one and then we give up one late to go down uh, you know, to a four-goal four deficit again. So that's a pretty tough spot. A um, couple things at play. Um, you never know what can happen. I mean, we feel, we feel pretty confident that um, we can score four goals in a period, you know, and, and, you know, we had a little bit of that feel. Uh, different times during the third period where we had some momentum and some opportunities. Um, you know, reality is that's a pretty deep hole against a good hockey team going into the third period, but uh, every period matters. It's a seven-game series. Uh, it's game number four. It's 2-2 right now. And, uh, um, you know, every shift, every every play, every period matters. That's like one of that. the finalists for the the, ja- the Jack Adams Award, his coach of the year, Dave Haxtall. He's done a really good job in Seattle. Yeah, done a great job. And I like that message. Every shift, every moment, every period, every period matters. I like that. A lot of great hockey coming up, and we've got more on the show. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.